From Vintage City Church in Fort Collins, Colorado, it's the Vintage Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Greg Sanders. Merry Christmas. You all look wonderful. Welcome to Vintage City Church. If this is your first time with us, uh, we're just so honored that you chose to be with us for your Christmas Eve. Uh, my name is Greg Sanders, and it's my, my privilege to uh, pastor this church and, and lead our team, and uh, we're just so grateful that you're here tonight. You sound fabulous, by the way, when you sing. Uh, just, you know, be encouraged. If you don't think you have great voices, somebody told you a lie. You sounded awesome together. It was fun. I had a couple moments just up here in the front where I just kind of, because I, you know, I have a big boy voice, so I, I sing loud, so I just had to be quiet and listen to what was coming around me. It's just, it's incredible. I love worshiping the King together. It's fun. How many like Christmas? I was thinking about it this year and I was noticing that, um, you know, there's something different in the air. It's fun. I was enjoying kind of the, the craziness, the hustle, you know, all the, all most of the time, even the traffic yesterday might have been a, a little bit of an exception. It was a little crazy out there, but um, just love it. I love the way our culture focuses so much just on this idea of Jesus, and it's so much fun. I actually, it, it, I laugh once in a while when I think about, uh, maybe you're like me, and you've heard people whispering things like, Christmas is losing its meaning, and everybody's making it about the gifts, and I personally think Christmas is about the gifts. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Three things. Number one, being generous is awesome because it feels great to be generous. There's supernatural law connected to that just to give and, and out of the overflow of your heart. And, and I love that. And I love the, that moment that happens when you've thought about that person, whether it's a, a son or a daughter or a friend or, or, or a family member or spouse. You've just thought about them throughout the year. You've paid attention to the little things that they might have highlighted that they, they liked or, or wanted or hinted towards it, and you've really thought it through and, and you, you set aside that gift. And then there's that moment where the second reason I love the gifts, it, I just love smiling. I think smiling is awesome. Smiling is my favorite. <laughs> Anybody know the formula for how to spread Christmas cheer? Sing loud for all to hear, right? Yeah, there we go. Okay, good. We've been well indoctrinated by Elf. In fact, I think smiling is one of the most underutilized spiritual gifts in the kingdom. Don't believe me? On the count of three, we're just going to smile, and I dare you not to. One, two, three. Now, somebody's not smiling. Everybody look at them. Look at them until they start laughing and smiling. And we're just going we're gonna, to we're gonna smoke them out right now. All right, good job, good job. There's got to be at least two or three that, like, you had your reserve. You held it. You won. You didn't smile. Who was it? Right here. Raise them up. Raise them up. Good job. Good job. You missed out on the fun of smiling. Good job. <laughs> the other thing I really love about presence is, for me, when you see a tree and you see all the gifts underneath it, I always am reminded of Jesus. I'm always reminded of just the simple truth that the greatest gift ever given to humanity was, was a gift. It was just given. And 
it makes me think about gifts and it makes me think about giving and and I realized something as I was pondering this and it's that every gift that's given is given with a reason there's an intention there's a purpose and you like me would probably have to concede the point that you don't just randomly give gifts you give them with thought with concern because the person on the other end of that matters and, and there's a purpose and there's a there's a desire in your heart and as I sat and thought through that I realized that there were some desires in God's heart with the gift and it's in this Isaiah 9 passage that we read as we opened the evening it says for unto us a child is born a son is given to us and the government will rest on his shoulders these will be his royal titles wonderful counselor mighty God everlasting father and prince of peace right at the beginning we see that for a child is born to us a son is given to us something was gifted to humanity so God is giving something to humanity and the government will rest upon his shoulders. I love that idea because what it says is from here moving forward, everything goes through him. That's really what that means. And these are his royal titles. These are the purposes, if I could say it that way. These were the things that were behind the gift. These were the intentions of God. He wanted to give wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. I want to take a few moments this evening to consider what's in these purposes. Wonderful counselor is a, an interesting phrase. In, in its most original language version, it would just be miraculous advisor. That God in his grace and in his mercy knew this. He knew that we were going to face things. Maybe we faced them in our history. Maybe we're facing them now. Maybe there's things yet to come. We were going to have moments in our lives where we were going to happen upon situations where we just didn't know the answer and we felt lost. So this word wonderful counselor or miraculous advisor, the idea is literally the one with the right answer in the moment. What an incredible gift. Mighty God is a phrase that is a little harder for us to filter through and figure out what it means. It's a military term and its root from a different age and it harkens back to a time where instead of massive bloodshed tribes or nations who would come against each other they would send out a, what they called a champion and the champion would come to the center of the field and and, and maybe you've seen this it, it reflected in movies but the champion would come to the center of the field and the idea was if my champion beats your champion you surrender to me if your champion beats ours we surrender to you and this was how many of the battles were worked on Mighty God. The word in its root simply means this. The word mighty means to stand a head and shoulders above the rest. It means to be separated by strength, i.e., this one is more powerful and different than the rest. This word God deals specifically with the idea of deity or governing. So what it's saying is there is one who is all-powerful, the most powerful, that he's above all other like him. This is the gift that God gives. Why? Because God in his incredible intelligence and mercy would know this, that for all of us there were, were going to be times, whether they're in our younger years or whether it's current or whether it's yet to come, there were going to be times when we were in situations that we just honestly felt powerless. We realized, I can't change this, I can't fix this. 
And that, that powerlessness raises up in us a certain insecurity, and at times we'll, we'll, we'll kind of buffer that with pride, or, or we, we kind of go internal because we just feel so vulnerable and so insecure. And so God in his love just says, I want to give to you one who can cover that insecurity because he's, there is nothing that can come against him. He's the most powerful there is, and he's yours. Everlasting Father, third thing that Isaiah releases in this text. The word everlasting is interesting. The word everlasting means without beginning and without end. It means that pick any point in time, he's there. For, for most of us, that's a pretty simple concept to understand, even though we have no idea what it means. We just get it that it just means he's always there. But this word father becomes a little bit more difficult, specifically in our day and age when there is such a fundamental lack of fathering. We don't know how to connect to this word. We don't know how to, how to grab onto the identity and the purpose in it. And so this word in its purest sense just means benevolent protector. If I could give you a word picture that would maybe summarize what it is, it's the idea of, of a father who's in control, casually in a room, creating room and, and space for his children to just be themselves and have fun and play and do life. Benevolent protector, you see, because at the root of what a father does is fathers give identity. See, because God in his mercy knew this. That for, for humanity, for our condition, we struggle with identity. We struggle with who we are. There are days when we, we wonder, do I matter? Is there a point? There's days when despair and, and darkness kind of invade our hearts. And so out of his great kindness, he just says, I'm going to give you one who for your days, for your life, will always be lavishing upon you, dispensing to you, speaking into your life, your identity, that you are mine, you're his, you've been grafted in. And then there's this fourth word, Prince of Peace. probably my favorite of the four. The word prince is an interesting word. It means chief at its root. And when we say that, we think tribal. We think uh, maybe the leader of an organization, or we think the one that's sitting in the center of the village and everybody else is serving him. But that's not what this word means at all. This word chief here is more of an economic term, and it, it, it links directly to the idea of one who has been given the responsibility and control over a commodity. In other words, it is theirs to freely dispense and give. They're the ones in control of it. This word peace, it, our word peace doesn't do it justice. The word, if you break it down, the word means comfort of soul. It means calm. It means friendship. It means prosperity. It means benevolence. It means tranquility. And I love that God, in his mercy and in his grace, thought to give us a gift with the purpose of knowing there are going to be times, maybe, you've, maybe you're in one right now, maybe you've come just freshly out of one, or maybe you're on the front end heading into a season where there is chaos and there is turmoil. And so his answer is, I'm going to give you the one who's in control of peace. So every time your life begins to bubble out of control, you could cry out to him and he can release peace.
Sometimes in the church world, we love verses like this because they're, they're, they're pretty and they're sweet sounding and they're tender and they're, they're easy to talk about. But I think there's something hidden in Isaiah 9 that we miss if we don't study verses 1 through 5. There's, there's a, a formula, if I could say it that way. And it opens up in verse 1. And verse 1 says, Nevertheless, the time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. And it's a prophetic promise that Isaiah releases saying, when we're in seasons of darkness and despair, here is the word of the Lord to you. That season is not intended to go on forever. You see, what happens if we believe it's going to go on forever? We start to lose hope. We start to bite into the lies of the enemy. We start to say, it doesn't matter. Who cares? I'm just going to walk away and I'm going to opt out. It's not worth it. But the promise of the Lord is, the time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. And then the next verse comes up in verse 2. After it says the time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. He releases these two phrases. But, but Zebulun and Naphtali will soon be humbled. And then we move down to verse 5. And, and the Lord says that he's effectively going to break the chains that bind his people and he's going to destroy the whip that scourges them. And so there's this incredible picture. There's this beautiful scenario saying, here's my promise to you. The time of darkness, the time of despair, it's not intended to go on forever. Because what I'm going to do is the things that are oppressing you, the things that have bound you, those things that, that are bringing pain into your life, I'm going to destroy them. How? That's verse 2. For Zebulun and Naphtali will soon be humbled. This word humbled here means to bring into proper perspective. It means to make light of, i.e., something that we think is this big, God's going to give us a right understanding of how big it is. Zebulun and Naphtali are two interesting words. The word Zebulun deals with the idea of an exalted dwelling. An exalted dwelling, what is that? It's like a fortress. It's like a, a place that, that we would go hunker down into to hide. Well, who hides? The people that hide are people that are either scared or ashamed. That's who hides. And so for us, Zebulun begins to paint a picture of the places, and sometimes those places are, are masks maybe that we put on, or they're images that we put on, or, or, they're, or they're certain addictions that we lock into and it's the places that when pain hits our life we want to go there and we want to hide from pain in that place and see Naphtali Naphtali in its purest definition means my wrestling my wrestling the word is connected directly to inner turmoil and struggle and what Naphtali for us represents is those places where God is trying to touch, the places that our will is exposed, the places that, that in his mercy he's crying out to us to let go of, but we're fighting and we're wrestling and we're holding on. And these two words, Zebulun and Naphtali, create for us an understanding that what God's really after is to call us out of our hiding places and invite us to stop fighting and completely surrender. 
And could I submit to us that this gift of the child are the promises of God to his people if they're willing to come out of hiding and they're willing to stop fighting? His promise is I will not orphan you. I will not leave you isolated. I will meet you with miraculous advice. I will meet you with my strength. But I'm weak. I can't do this. I will meet you with my strength. And there's nobody stronger than me. And whatever you're facing, I'm bigger than it. I'm going to inform in you an identity. You're going to hear me whispering and saying, no, you're mine. This is how we, you bear my name, and this is who we are. This is how we do life. Come on, rise up. You can do this. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. You're not alone. You're not orphaned. You're mine. And in every moment of chaos, the gift of Jesus says, though we're in the storm, we can walk in peace. It is possible to face difficulty with the peace of God. So my question for us is this. I can't think of a better way to come out and close one year down and begin a new year than by asking ourselves this question. Am I completely surrendered? And am I willing to completely surrender? There are some of us in the room tonight that have been driving and striving for an identity when all the while there is one who longs to give identity. But we got to be willing to come out of hiding and quit fighting. Would you stand with me, please? There's a phrase that I think is incredibly fitting for if we surrender, what, we really, what we're really saying is you can have it all. Whatever that thing is that I'm holding on to, whatever that place is, maybe it's fear, maybe it's insecurity, maybe you can't trust God to protect you. You feel like if I, if I, if I get vulnerable and I really start doing life the way I know God's called me to, I'm going to get walked on by people. Or, or if, if I say yes to God here, I'm going to be exposed, I'm going to be alone, and, and everything I depend on is, is falling away. And I just would ask you this. Isn't the risk worth it to meet the wonderful counselor? To have the audience of the king in every moment? Isn't the risk of giving up everything worth it? To learn God's strength in the midst of difficulty, isn't it worth it to let go? Because here's the scenario. We're never going to learn those things until we come out of hiding and we quit fighting. And I'd love to invite you to wherever you're at, whether you've never, ever given your life to Jesus or whether you've been in this gig for a long time, I would love to invite you just fresh today. If you can, stretch your hands to heaven and just tell him that you can have it all. Father, we love you. We love this moment. We feel the invitation of the Holy Spirit right now. We feel the weight in this moment that you're here and you're all over it and we love it. Would you draw out of us the courage to come out of hiding and to stop fighting you?
to completely surrender. Thanks for your goodness to us. Thanks for the gift of Jesus. Thanks for listening. For more great content, please visit us on the web at VintageCityChurch.com.